0: It sounds pretty heavy, but I saw that death could be a possibility for me if I continued on the path that I was on. And I just didn't want that. I was like, I've got this body, I've, it's a gift. Why wouldn't I make the most of it? We just knew that it was right at the time. So I guess the things we focused on, you know, day to day was just to feel good, just try and eat right, you know, go to bed early, wake up early, like watch the sunrise, go for a swim at the ocean, going for beach walks, closing your eyes, like looking at the sun with your eyes closed. Like it's just amazing what those things can do and what nature can provide you to evolve as a person, to move past the person that you once were. And when you take away things that control the mind, like alcohol, like bad food, chemicals and toxic people. When you clear all of that out, you can be whoever you want to be because you don't have those things holding you back.
1: That's Lonnie Jane and this is The Proof Podcast. Hey, plant friends, Simon here. Welcome back to another episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. Thank you so much for all of the social media sharing and positive words that you have been putting out into the atmosphere. It is nothing short of amazing. I love your support and it is it is encouraging me to take this podcast to another level. Today, we have a super, 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 interesting and inspiring guest, Lonnie Jane. Lonnie is perhaps one of the most well-known online vegan influences, having started sharing her story and journey pretty much as soon as Instagram was launched from memory. In the last nine years, Lonnie has become symbolic of someone who was in very poor health, that adopted a plant-based lifestyle and was able to turn their life around, both mentally and physically to create a life of love, prosperity, growth, and wellness. A life that is now in her control and on her terms, as opposed to her previous life, where she battled with excessive drinking, low self-awareness, poor nutrition, and essentially a depleted physical body. Lonnie and I have been wanting to sit down and record this podcast for a while now. And finally, we were able to do it in her amazing home in Queensland, Australia. We spoke for almost two hours, but. Really, we could have spoken for many more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it really sums up Lonnie well and epitomizes why she has built such a loyal community online. Raw, candid, and authentic Lonnie. in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link, which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. Lonnie Jane, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: so great to finally connect. I've been wanting to do this have this chat for a while now. Firstly, thank you for welcoming me to your beautiful house.
0: You're so welcome. What's it's, it's it's large enough for all of us here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what suburb are we in up here?
0: This is I just say Gold Coast hinterland. Yeah, because um, I don't really want for everybody knowing where I live.
1: Yeah, yeah. Every time I come up this way or Byron Bay or or into the hinterlands, it yep. it's it's really refreshing. Like it's just fresh air, and eventually, as I, as I was saying before, it's it's where I want to relocate to it's such a beautiful part of the world if anyone is wondering where the the sort of gold coast hinterlands are they're about what an hour and hour and a half north of Byron
0: yeah it it only takes me about an hour to get to Byron um and yeah and a bit but just from the Goldie like Goldie beaches it's 30 minutes 40 minutes like depending on the traffic straight down the highway like I'm only like 10 minutes off the off the highway but you feel like you're a million miles away
1: yeah just like surrounded by
0: trees, national parks,
1: rainforests. It's yeah. it's pretty incredible. It's a
0: big yeah. difference to living on the Esplanade at Burley for nine years. Like I loved it down there. But it was it was getting a bit of like the hustle of just like getting out of the driveway in the morning, you know, people block your driveway. You've got, you know, your fitness group of people like running up and down your streets at 5 a.m. And, you know, I live next to a pub. It's just it was like a constant like energy distraction, like in my mind. So coming out here you just, I don't know, I can just like hear my own thoughts a lot, a lot more. and
1: Change in pace. So before Burley Head, so that was nine years ago.
0: Yeah, before Burley was Melbourne.
1: Melbourne. Yep. And that's where you you grew up?
0: Yeah, I was born in Melbourne. Um, I lived lots of different places, like all up and down the East Coast of Australia. Uh, I was born in Melbourne and I've lived in over 50 houses. Wow. Yeah. We sort of had a bit of a rough childhood and I wasn't like rough, but it's only what I knew. So I, you know, I guess I can't compare it to anything else, but. Moved a lot and um, lived up in North Queensland for a long time and New South Wales, like on the Murray River. So yeah, I've done a, I can sort of make anywhere home. This is actually the longest I've ever been in one place.
1: Wow. And as a a kid, Mm -hmm. what were your sort of hobbies and interests and and what was your food like at that time of life?
0: Okay, let's start with food. Terrible, terrible, like delicious, but terrible. Seriously, my favorite foods, Nutella, two minute noodles, Vegemite white bread. I never remember eating fruit as a kid. Didn't like it. It's a
1: really simple food.
0: Just simple processed yeah. food. Like I would like give me a jar of a with a spoon and that was my thing.
1: But that was what you knew. Like you didn't necessarily think, oh, this is super, super unhealthy. Nah, you-
0: I didn't know anything about yeah. health then. Like I didn't know, I didn't know that that was, there was any other way because when you're a kid, you just do, you just give, you know, you, you eat the food of what your parents yeah. feed you or, you know, what's available you know, we were pretty, we didn't have much money growing up, you know, so, and my mom raised four of us by herself. So, you know, she did the best she could working as much as she could. Mm. And, you know, she didn't like either have like a lot of knowledge about health as well. And she was just trying to do the best. And, yeah, you know, back in the nineties and the eighties, like there wasn't a lot of like the internet now, like with ha- how you can see, and research your own information. It wasn't like a thing back
1: then. There's so much less information. So much
0: less. Like, like you couldn't just go onto Google and be like, "Is Nutella dangerous?" Like, couldn't do that.
1: It's easier to sort of look in hindsight and go, "Oh, how was I eating that?" But you, you've got to sort of go back to that time and understand that the, the resources weren't there.
0: No, not at all.
1: And were kids, um, like your friends, were they eating similarly to that to those sort of foods?
0: Yeah, it was not. It was like, no, you know, you go to a kids' party, like a, a birthday party, and it's you know, it's just, it's the safari bread, it's the chocolate bars and the ice cream cake and freddo's And like that, that was just the, that was the norm for me. Like I, I don't remember having a friend that was like healthy and I was like, oh, you're weird because you're eating broccoli or like, I just didn't, I know I wasn't really surrounded by health. So I'd never thought that what I was doing was wasn't right
1: did you feel good like as a can you remember back no, no, no. no
0: I didn't feel good I didn't I never really had much energy as a child like I, I wasn't that good at sports like I constantly felt weak I did like some calisthenics and stuff but that's not really like high intensity anything I always tried to get out of what's like cross, cross country cross country cross country athletics, athletics, and... athletics like the beep test yeah sucked I'd be like given all the excuses not to do it. Cause I would feel like if I would have run my, my, like my lungs would, it would hurt me and I would do anything I could to get it. Yeah. Wow. So, and I just, you know, same thing. I just didn't know. I always thought, oh, why, you know, everyone else can seem to be doing it. All right. Like what's wrong with me? But I don't know. I just didn't, I never followed it up until I was in my twenties. And then, and like, you know, even as a young child, like I remember having, really swollen like lymph nodes in my neck and like I remember going to the doctor quite a bit about like on my right side it was always like large and bulging and it's not till my 20s when I've I've now extensively researched the lymphatic system for nearly eight years and I'm just like like, my lymphatic system was completely stagnant it was toxic overload and then I you know I was always getting um like tonsil stones and like swollen I'm surprised I didn't get my tonsils out but I just didn't really go to the doctors very often either
1: So at at what stage through that sort of, I guess your teenage years and into your twenties did did you really get this interest for natural health and nutrition and and look at changing like what what sparked that change?
0: My decline in health sparked that change because I so like I moved up to Queensland when I was 21 because I just needed to get out of I needed to get out of Melbourne. Like it was the weather wasn't I couldn't deal with the weather. I had really bad blood circulation and the cold was I just I couldn't go outside, I, was, I would just shut down, you know, my hands and my feet would be like ice and it's just hard to function, like and trying to get up to go to work every day. I was working in the city and I'd be traveling on the train in the morning and it just, it's just not nice, you know, starting starting your day like feeling like shit <laughs> and then just being cold all day and just not functioning. And then, So when I moved up here, I also saw, I saw health here. I lived in Burley, I moved to Burley straight away and I was like, wow. People get up really early.
1: Don't they? Like,
0: And I'm like, I was never an early riser. I'm like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Yeah. If I if I had the choice, like I obviously forced myself to get out of bed for work and school, but it was always hard. I'd get up and I just, I would struggle until lunchtime. And then I'd, I'd maybe get a little bit of energy. Like I think I've actually had like a low underlying adrenal fatigue since I was a child. Like yeah. I I'd get my most energy at six o'clock at night until two o'clock in the morning. Like as an early teens, like it's a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. And then that just kept going and going and going. So when I moved up here, I sort of saw health for the first time. I saw people eating healthy. You walk past the cafes, people eating acai bowls and smoothies and getting juices. And, you know, I'm like, wow.
1: This is different.
0: This is different. <laughs> this is inspiring. <laughs> so
1: what were you eating in Melbourne? Just So just before that move up, what was your typical daily foods?
0: I'd wake up. I probably wouldn't really eat breakfast because I just felt sick when I woke up most mornings. I would, I would just eat like hot chips. I'd love like of parmigianas. I would just have like, like in my work drawer, I'd have like mint, sli- is it mint, mint slice like cookie like those biscuits.
1: Yeah, 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 mint slices. Yeah, mint
0: slice, Like I just, I'd have a drawer full of Doritos. It's
1: yeah. like those little round, the little round chocolate minty. with the white. Yeah, delicious. Yeah,
0: yeah, but none, none of those now. But yeah, I just lived on processed food. Like for lunch, I would get like a bag of Doritos and. Sweet chili filly, and that that would be my lunch. You
1: know, it was terrible. So it was a stark stark contrast to the to the healthy eating.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't get me eating a salad. You know, yeah, back then no salads, no vegetables. Like if, and even my mum to get me to eat veggies, I would have she'd mash it all together and like literally drown it in salt and Vegemite and butter, just so I would eat it. Mm. (laughs) I just didn't like the taste. And
1: and on on kids later in in this conversation, we'll definitely touch on. On how you cook for your kids at home because yeah. I know a lot of people will be very interested in that but so you're, you've you've moved to Burley yeah. you've you've come up yeah. from Melbourne on this sort of very processed diet you're mm-hmm. seeing all this healthy food how long did it take for you to to change your diet
0: well it didn't take long because I I got really sick I did a trip in Thailand and I did four weeks with my friend and we just you know we we went off in the Hills Chiang Mai and did, you know, four-wheel motorbiking, like through the jungle. were yeah, awesome. All sorts of stuff. Covered in mosquito bites. Got dengue fever. Oh, no. Picked up parasites when I was over there. Like literally thought I was going to die on the way home on the plane. Like I had the highest fever, sweating up a storm.
1: Dengue fever can be very serious.
0: Yeah. And I didn't actually, like, I didn't know that I had it. Like they nearly didn't let me fly home because I looked so unwell. And I'm like, I just need to, like, I need to get home that really like escalated my like the health pivot downhill i just went i just got so sick after that i was just constantly sick even when i felt good i was still sick so the dengue fever just was just eating away at my energy and my immunity so if someone was sick around me i would get that cold and then that would be on top of the the dengue fever and i got cmv virus and it just it was just one thing after another and then the deficiencies really started showing themselves like my zinc deficiency. And I was like losing my hair and I had started to put on weight. Like I'd been slim most of my life. I've got lean genes, you know, my mom's lean and like it's my grandparents are lean. Like it's in my genes to be slim. But then I started putting on weight and it just wasn't, it didn't feel natural to me. And I'm, I didn't know how, I didn't know what, you know, what your to body do with was it. completely out of balance. Just, I yeah, it was just like a real show, and it just ha- escalated really fast in that sort of year and year or two. Kept seeing doctors, and you know, I mean, that's ugh, I could list so many more things. Like I had, I've just recently spoken about my abnormal, cancerous cells in my cervix from a Pap smear, and that was a real turning point because I was like, you know, they were like, if this escalates, you know, and we have to do all these procedures on your cervix, you might not be able to have children, or you might struggle to have children because of the damage to your cervix and all that sort of stuff. And I was like. That's scary. You know, that really yeah. hit home. So, you know, was overtaking all these antibiotics. I literally took antibiotics for every year. It was just constant. I was just loaded. I was in pain. My skin was terrible.
1: And your your gut microbiome was probably suffering was from shot. Like that. Yeah. Was shot.
0: Like I, I was never feeding it back. I never ate anything that was that had a culture in it, like a probiotic in it. Yeah. I was never told to take probiotics with the amount of antibiotic use that, that I was taking which angers me and it still angers me to this day Of the amount of people take antibiotics that don't get told, you know, you need to re-flourish that flora, that gut flora and that microbiome so your body can handle it. And just the importance of gut microbiome on nutrients and transport of nutrients and like, you know, even making things like B12 and all that sort of stuff. Pivotal. Massive. So gut, I mean, gut health was one of the biggest things that started my change. But So I just sort of, I <clears throat> stopped saying the doctor's because I just wasn't getting any help. I went to see an naturopath for the first time in my life, and that was a that was a shock to the system. With all of the things that he told was wrong with me, I was like, "I'm never going to be able to get better." Like it was list, 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 list. Like just so many problems. But you know, I just started, and I think it was like the first the first step was always the hardest to just you know, obviously like just making the booking. But also, like investing the money because it's Mm. expensive to see, you know, to see a naturopath, especially when you've been paying either a small amount of money or nothing to see, you know, a general practitioner that you can just bulk bill it. Yeah. And as a, you know, 20 year old, I wasn't really full of money or anything to spend like $400 to see a naturopath.
1: But you obviously felt pretty, pretty sort of low in terms of health that you needed, you needed answers.
0: I had no other, I really felt like there was no other choice. So, What,
1: what were the sort of main, to advice or take home messages from that consultation and they they said go away and I- implement this.
0: Stop drinking alcohol. Take a massive step back from drinking because they're like your liver is so like is so <laughs> struggling right now that you're not going to be able to get better if you don't stop drinking. Then they're like, we're not telling you to never stop drinking alcohol, but if you continue to drink, you're going to have major issues. Your liver's like your liver is so important to filtering out so many things in your body. And if you don't support it, you're just forever going to be unhealthy. I just loved al- alcohol so much. I drank nearly every day. So,
1: like wine or beer or what were.
0: Oh, heavy spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Southern comfort was my drink.
1: Like in social, so- social, situations or yeah. just by yourself or.
0: Not, not so much by myself because I was very social because yeah. I was a drinker. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that's why I drank. The people that are around me that I surrounded myself with drank too. So it was, that was just the thing to do. That's how you be social. You drink, you know, and that was a huge turning point because when, when I stopped drinking, the people drop off and the people that you thought were, you know, your best mates in the world will drop off because you're no longer, they can't relate to you. Yeah, You know, you've got, it's like you've just lost all things in common because you take away the alcohol.
1: Yeah, you're, and you realize that all the time you were spending with them was, was you were intoxicated. Only
0: because, <laughs> yeah, we were always sharing a drink. It was, you know, I even looked way back on my Facebook what do you call them like when you the the timeline or yeah timelines and like things that I used to say on Facebook or photos I used to put up I was it was always about drinking and I always had a drink in my hand and um
1: it's funny because I just the other day was thinking geez I haven't I haven't seen a few of my friends for a while and then I started thinking I'm like well we we just have different interests now and if we don't if there's that drinking component's not there then we don't catch up
0: yeah and it is sad like you know I still I still love all those people that that I came across in, in that point in my life, if they don't choose to evolve as well or just accept the path that you need to go on, like I had to go on that path because my health was was at risk. So, but they just didn't understand that, you know, people just think because you're doing something different, it's like, who who are you now?
1: Yeah. You so think Lonnie's, you're better, Lonnie's going weird. Yeah,
0: weird. <laughs> or you think you're better because you can, you know, you're now like this healthy person. So it was sort of that. But
1: so is that challenging?
0: Oh, definitely you just go from it's like one life to another like life without alcohol or life being unhealthy and life being healthy is completely different
1: and did you have any friends that were already sort of in that healthy sort of area or did you make new friends or how did did you just do all of this by yourself
0: yeah i just did it i just did it on my own but i mean i was really lucky to like i met i met my partner my current partner i met him right at the start of this journey and i mean he's helped me all all through this journey. And he's been the best support that I could have ever asked for because a lot of people, you know, that are already in partnerships and they need to get healthy, but their partner won't join them. And that's just, it, it's nearly impossible. So having his support and, you know, he was a big drinker too, and he stopped drinking and he was actually sort of the first one to stop because he was well and truly ready. He's a little bit older than me and he's yeah. like, you know, I've just had enough
1: and so you guys sort of provided each other with the strength to yeah, do it
0: to do it and yeah. you know because if he didn't do it it would have made it really hard for me because he would have still been going out still seeing all the people and I would have had to miss out and you know maybe our relationship wouldn't have worked because of that I think with alcohol it's so much bigger than what we what like what we view it to be it's a social norm it's it's a way of like accepting people it's a way of socializing and when you take it away you realize how different life is or how different mm. life can be, how different people are, or the way people change, the way they adjust themselves through alcohol. So, and it was a big eye opener for me because drinking just, I say drinking, but I'm I'm more talking about binge drinking, yeah, drinking to get drunk. Yeah. And that's what I did it for.
1: Which is, you know, it's, it's very prevalent in Australia. There's a strong culture it's of drinking here it's, and it is the norm. And
0: it's a norm to be like off your face, yeah. drunk, you know, yelling out the windows at people. It doesn't matter if you're funny or not. Like it's just, it's normal. It's mm. like viewed as normal. It's. It, I just I don't know. It's. Con- I don't think that like the younger 20-year-olds and the teenagers understand the health risks of it. And like you might be fine when you're 18 and you're 19, but like wait till you're in your mid-20s and you're still drinking or wait till you get to 30 and it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks because mm. you're going to have like, serious like liver problems and stomach acid problems and you won't be absorbing nutrients and and addictions and stuff like that as well so
1: and 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 mentally you know it's it's stopping growth in terms of developing as a person and having a clear state of mind and yeah, being conscious point. and mindful because you're unconscious half the time
0: yeah exactly and people use alcohol to drown their own emotions you know so they don't have to deal with it you know they use it as an outlet or a suppress, you know, to suppress the way they truly feel or not be open to people or just brush it under the carpet. You know, I did it a million times over, not dealing with my emotions back then. Like even if it was a boyfriend or if it was a friend or family issues, I would just, you know, you just drink and it's all happy days. Like I was the happy drunk. I was never aggressive. I was the life of the party. Like it was all fun. But when I was sober, I felt, I felt all of those emotions that I suppressed when I was drinking. So, and it got me into trouble many times over because kind of when you keep suppressing that, those emotions or the way you actually feel, where you get confused and then you're not really sure how you feel. And then you confuse other people and you hurt people that you love. And that can be the detriment of what, what alcohol is. And that's why I don't choose to like binge drink anymore.
1: So, you, your partner and, and yourself, you decided you were going to make some changes. What changes and what strategies did you sort of? Uh, used to to stick to this plan and make these healthier
0: habits okay we didn't we've not really been one for making plans like we don't we don't go this is what we're going to do and um we're very much like an ambitious couple and as indivi- individuals, but we never went this is what we're going to do. we just knew that it was right at the time, and it just i think with that continuous support, it just led to reaching those goals so I guess the things we focused on, you know, day to day was just to feel good, you know, just try and eat right and, you know, go to bed early, wake up early, like watch the sunrise, go for a swim at the ocean, going for beach walks, like closing your eyes, like looking at the sun with your eyes closed. Like it's just amazing what those things can do and what nature can provide you to evolve as a person and to get over those things that like to move past the person that you once were. And when you raise that awareness, and you can, you use nature like for what it is, it will let you grow as much as you feel you can in that moment, in those years, in those decades. And when you have that awareness, that, that that's what it can do. I feel like you can just always reach those goals. You can always get to that point of being who you want to be, your best self, living your best life, by just raising your awareness and like seeing what's around you and. Understanding the person you were, that you don't have to be that person today. You can always change. You can. That's
1: the thing. Like you know, you hear these phrases of people can't change, but they can. You can. Yeah. And
0: when you take away things that that control the mind, like alcohol, like bad food, chemicals, and toxic people, when you clear all of that out, (laughs) you can be whoever you want to be because you don't have that blocking. You don't have those things holding you back that's what held me back. Like as much as I've learned so much about myself with alcohol and all the bad food and all that stuff, a lot of people don't. They don't get to that pivotal moment or they don't get to until really late in their life, you know, or a near-death experience, or they'll lose a family member and then they'll be like, oh, then they have that raised awareness moment where they're like, I don't have to be that person I've always been. I can be this better person. So I'm glad that I didn't have those like near-death experiences. I guess I saw that It sounds pretty heavy, but I saw that death could be a possibility for me if I kept going the way or living a really like feeling terrible, you know, for the rest of my life. If I continued on the path that I was on, I just didn't want that. I was like, I've got this body. It's a gift. Why wouldn't I make the most of it? Like, Mm. why wouldn't I try and learn as much as I possibly can? We have the internet. Like we can learn so much from the internet. You know, you don't have to be this book book like you don't have to be a book nerd to be educated these days. Like you can get just as much information.
1: All at your fingertips.
0: It's all at our fingertips. And I think people don't use the internet or it's like true potential of that not enough anyway.
1: You know, you you're making these changes and if we sort of zone in, I guess, on the nutrition side of things. Back then the term vegan mm. or vegetarian, what did that mean to you, you know, coming from Melbourne and, and having that sort of previous diet that you had
0: yeah it's not something I knew anything about I didn't I didn't think it was a thing I don't even think I really knew like I knew vegetarian like my sister did she was vegetarian for a while like she's a bit of a hippie which love her she opened my eyes that you can you know you can not eat meat and all that stuff back then I was like why though like why wouldn't you eat meat you know but now I obviously have a Mm. completely different view because I've raised my awareness and I see so many issues with the meat industry not just with meat In itself, for the body, like the meat industry and those industries. You know, when I started to get into health, like I did the paleo thing first. My naturopath put me onto the paleo lifestyle, which was a good transition for me because it got me off processed food. Yeah. And I started to eat vegetables and I started to eat salads. And
1: if you've tuned in to the many episodes I've done focusing on cardiovascular disease, After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science-backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash livingproof to download your zero-cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash livingproof. Look forward to joining you on this journey.
0: Once I started to get healthy, I actually really wanted the fruit. I really wanted the fruit, even though I hadn't really got into the fruit ever in my entire life. I was like, I want to eat fruit, but I'm kind of scared because my trainer is telling me not to eat the fruit. My naturopaths, like maybe limit the fruit, you know, try not to eat the fruit. I'm like, but why?
1: And what were they saying to that? Were like when you were asking why?
0: Oh, like you put on weight, you, you, you know, you might, cause too I was trying to heal. Sugar. Well, the sugar, like I, I did have a pretty bad candida issue. Yeah. So, I can understand and I do understand to this day. And people ask me, you know, I've got Candida. Candida, do you think I should eat fruit? I'm like, I don't think you should eat fruit all day. Like, stick to the berries, like, you know, stick to your bitter fruits, but, you know, don't eat, don't go and eat 20 bananas or anything like Mm. that because you, if it's a real massive overgrowth, it will still feed it. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But yeah, so I was a little bit fearful of fruit with the paleo diet. And then I just got to the point of like, just couldn't eat boiled chicken and one more time. You know, I couldn't eat meat for breakfast. I couldn't have any more eggs. It was like I was just my stomach couldn't deal with it. And I just don't think my stomach acid was built up enough to digest that amount of meat from being so unhealthy. I just couldn't, I just I wasn't healthy enough yet. I didn't have the digestive enzymes to be able to break down that much protein. So it was a good transition to going vegan because my taste buds changed and they adjusted and started to like
1: these whole foods yeah
0: I I liked it and um
1: so what what was the spark I guess to to move from the paleo diet to a vegan diet was it looking at animal agriculture or was it just
0: it was no it was still my health at the start it was still um those early days I didn't really know anything about the you know any of the industries I didn't know anything I was still focusing on my health and the meat just wasn't digesting well like I still had terrible pains I was still bloated like I still had skin issues I was dealing with like constipation yeah. and I just didn't feel right I didn't like I'm very intuitive and the more I've gotten healthy the the stronger my intuition has got but I just knew it didn't feel right so I said to my naturopath you know I oh, look I don't think I don't want to eat meat anymore I just don't want to do it and you know he was like you know there is other ways and Plenty of people thrive on a vegan diet and he was never against it. So I gave it a go and I've never looked back. Wow! I I did a four week juice cleanse to start with based on the Gerson therapy, if you've ever heard of that. And um, that was like the juicing mixed with um, like coffee enemas and things like that. And it was amazing. It was an amazing start to my vegan journey because I felt so cleansed. I felt in control. I felt like I had I had a choice of like what I wanted to put in my body. And like for the first time in over 20 years, I felt clean. I felt energized. Like I could bounce out of bed. That's, I was never that person.
1: It's funny that you say that in Rich Roll's book, Mm. he talks about he did the same thing. He went from his, you know, he had a very processed food diet. First thing he did was a juice cleanse before he started transitioning. And
0: it's a great way to start because, especially if you make your own juice. Because I think it gets you gets you into the into the groove of like, you know, going to the markets, like buying your food, being surrounded by other healthy people and like even talking about it and be like, I'm doing a juice cleanse. And you'll probably come across other people, and be like, I've I've done one too. Or, you know, they might tell you their mistakes or their benefits. And the juice cleanse was was awesome. And that's why I incorporate juice into like into my lifestyle eight years down the track it's so beneficial like juicing is so beneficial for your health that I, I would never give it up
1: the interesting thing that you said at the the beginning of this was that when you transitioned from sort of like a processed food diet to a paleo diet you you felt you did feel better yeah. i think that's an important thing for the listeners is that health is a spectrum mm-hmm. if you're coming from a really processed packaged food high sugar type diet you are going to feel better moving to a paleo diet because oh, naturally you're going to be eating Whole foods. You're going to have more vegetables. Yeah. Okay. So you've transitioned to the to the vegan diet. And early days, what did what did sort of your vegan diet look like then compared to now?
0: I think if I compare it back, I ate like mostly fruit all day, and that was that was pretty easy because I sort of started in the warmer months, and obviously I live in subtropical climate where it's a lot warmer. Like I don't think I could have done that in somewhere like Melbourne because. Um, and I say this to a lot of people: you probably can't do a high fruit diet if you live in a cold climate. It's not. And even last night I was watching on the plane a Chinese ancient Chinese traditional medicine, and they talk about chi and like the life energy, and they talk about cold, cold and warm climates and the kind of foods that you should eat. So it it really verified that like what I felt was true that because I've travelled enough and I've been in cold climates to know that I eat fruit in a cold climate. It doesn't feel Right. Like if you wake up and you want to eat half a watermelon for breakfast and you're in, it's winter in Yosemite Valley. Yeah. It just like, I'm cold. My body's cold. It doesn't feel right. I would more rather something like warming, like porridge or, you know, some nuts or whatever, it, you know, whatever it is. So the difference between then and now is that I was, I was quite strict on the fruit of eating a lot of fruit. Um, I started my journey with a lot of wisdom from, same Douglas Graham 80 10, 10. helped me a lot really really helped my journey in the start but that really changed when I got pregnant because my like I said I'm intuitive like I know I know a lot of what my body needs now and I needed fats and I needed a little extra protein I needed some more nuts or I needed some more cooked food
1: so as soon as you got pregnant, you could just feel these cravings for different
0: It wasn't really cravings. It was just like, that's that's just what I want to eat. It wasn't like I must eat that. It was that's what I, that's what I'm leaning towards. That's that's yeah. what, you know, that's what I feel like and that's what I did. And that's I mean, that's a really good point for people that are listening. And I, I do always try and raise this with people is that don't just try and do what I'm doing. This is my life and this is how I live it, and I'm sharing that with you. But like if you live in a cold climate and like don't feel bad because you can't eat or drink a liter smoothie in the morning, like don't feel bad about that. Like your body's different. You live in a different place. Like try and just raise your awareness, tap into like how you really feel within yourself of what feels right. Like it's not always easy and it takes years of practice. But like don't just do something that someone else does thinking it that it is the only way.
1: Mm, such a good point because... With social media now, it's easy to think, oh, I need to emulate what they're doing rather than just absorbing information from credible people like yourself and then applying it in your own unique way within your own life.
0: Yeah. I even, you know, in my eBooks and everything I say, like, this is really just an inspirational guide. You guys ask me what I do, what I eat, what I know, and I'm sharing it because you've asked me to. I'm not doing this to tell you how to live your life. I'm not posting to tell you how to live your life you have to go on your own journey. I'm like here to maybe spark that flame within and ignite it. And then you can be like, you can start the journey, but learn on your own terms. You know, like my, my major learnings at the start was the lymphatic system because mine was so stagnant and so toxic. And that's been one of my biggest passions my ent- the entire time up until this day. And it will continuously, like, it will continuously be that way. So, you know, if I like ignite a spark within someone else and they want to learn, you know, maybe they have like true, like digest, you know, they want to learn more about the digestive system and really focus on that or, you know, whatever it is. I just only hope to just spark that flame within someone to show them there is a different way to what the social norm shows us, what the mainstream shows us. The food pyramid says like, fuck that, like do what you intuitively feel Cut all the toxic shit out, cut the toxic people, get rid of the chemicals, take the processed food out, take the alcohol out for a while. You can introduce it in back later when your liver's good, when your digestion is good, when your body feels good and your sleep is good. You can do all of those things. You can still eat the processed food every now and then, but you know your limits, you know the balance because your body is balanced and you, you know you feel mm-hmm. good. So
1: Food pyramid's worrying. I'm... Oh. <laughs> um, um finishing my master's in nutrition at the moment and it's that that same food pyramid still going
0: is it really it's um is it like the bread and the pasta and all that's like the biggest thing at the bottom i can't even remember it's been that yeah
1: and, and all the chicken and the eggs and it's um yeah it's worrying they've made a little change with some red meat but other than that it's pretty much like it was through high school
0: yeah i just think that the food pyramid it's too generalized i was just having a conversation with my girlfriend yesterday that you know, when people say like, do you think it's wrong that people eat meat? And I say no. And that shocks people, right? Because I'm vegan or, you know, I don't even call myself vegan because like, I eat honey. And yeah. like people have a go at me for saying, saying, oh, you can't call yourself vegan because you eat honey. I'm like, well, just ask me why I, why I eat honey and then you might understand. So I don't think we can all, the entire world, like thrive off a vegan diet because I'm a realist. Like if you look at all the different people in the world. You know, people in Iceland live off, you know, seal blubber and salmon and all that sort of stuff. Like if you were to go and give them a litre smoothie for breakfast and 10 mangoes for lunch and dates and they probably will struggle mm. surviving on that and they have to not eat for long periods of time and they, they need more fat on them to survive the cold and things like that. But then you look at the animal kingdom and you look at the animals and how different all of the animals eat. You can have animals that live on nuts and seeds. You can have animals that live on fish. You can have animals that live on purely meat. Like, why is the human race different? Like, why should we generalize the humans as we should all just eat a vegan diet or we should all eat meat? Why can't we just accept that we are all different and our bodies are different? We come from different ancestors and all that sort of stuff and how our bodies are like generally they're the same, but we are different. So, why can't we just all accept that we eat differently? That's how I view, not being preachy about the vegan diet. Mm. As much as I want everyone to be able to thrive on it, I'm a realist and understand that like it's not the way that it could be. I think we can all eat more plants, 100.
1: And and going back to being, you know, health being a spectrum, which is like what you're saying, eat more plants. Like the the majority of people that are suffering from you know these rise in chronic diseases yeah, in the West, like
0: any plants. yeah
1: in the Western population. Yeah. So excluding these areas which are Living in extreme sort of conditions and don't have access to all the food. Exactly what the I'm Western saying. sort of typical person, there are a number of things they can change in their diet to be healthier without going to a full vegan diet. Exactly, and processed foods and sugars is yeah. high sugar, fructose sugar and stuff is is a you know the, probably the top of that list with with what's being consumed. Yeah. Okay, so just going back to your pregnancies, yep. your these pregnancies, have you sort of gone through them intuitively? Have you gone and had specific sort of doctor consultations about blood tests, supplements, things like that? Can you talk through
0: yeah. through that? So my first pregnancy with Rowdy, I was that was a great pregnancy because I was pretty much eating mostly raw food, eating a bit of cooked food here and there had all the time in the world most of the time in the world to prepare my food make my food you know juicing all that sort of stuff I was still working up until like four months before I gave birth but that four months was was amazing to really get as healthy as I possibly could like for the birth and really prepare myself for, for a new human to you know to support a new human and all that sort of stuff so with Rowdy I didn't take any supplements If I were to do it again with Rowdy, I might have taken something to support or I might have taken another year or two before I got pregnant, just so I could have tried to clear some of the stagnant issues and like viruses and stuff that I had. This is a subject that I've raised. It's a little bit of a touchy one um, with Rowdy having glasses. So I've done a lot of research. like I'm a research whiz. Like I I love it, you know, and I want to get to the bottom of issues when Rowdy got diagnosed with, with, a, with a left eye turn, I was like, it's something that I did wrong. Like, it, was it something I did wrong in my pregnancy? Did I not give him enough of something that I didn't eat, whatever it was? But the, the most outstanding research that I found was that the CMB virus is linked to infants having eye issues, wow. you know? And I was like, wow, like that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty massive. Like maybe it wasn't anything I could have done to have helped that. You know, but as a mother, you just blame, you blame yourself a lot. Not that there's any issue with having glasses, like he's a little legend and he loves them. But no, I didn't take any supplements with Rowdy, had an awesome pregnancy, had no issues whatsoever, had a beautiful natural birth. I wasn't though, because the doctors were very forceful. I pretty much didn't see any doctors up until I was 42 weeks. And then they were like, you need to give birth today. And I'm like, oh, I feel like he's going to come in two days. Can we just like wait? and then they were like you could have a stillbirth you could your amniotic fluid could you know leak out and all this like they just it was the most horrifying moment of the whole pregnancy and i went home had a massive meltdown cuz just that flood of negative information and feeling like i'd be you know i'd be the one responsible if something happened to my to my baby and then the next morning they called me back up and they're like you know you you need to get induced today. And I really wanted to wait one more day because i I was already starting to like light, lightly contract. I just felt absolutely forced. I had no choice, and um, yeah, ended up getting induced it was still a good, it was still a good birth, but you know, being hooked up to a drip with um synthetic oxytocin was like like hectic. <laughs> it was there was no breaks in between. It was just this constant contraction. It was there was no like, You know, after I did it the second time with Polly and did it 100% natural, no intervention whatsoever, I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel. And were
1: the doctors supportive of that the second time around? Were they like, oh, different circumstances or?
0: I just kind of tried, I just tried to back away as much as I could, like safely. I still got my blood tests done. You know, I decided not to do the um, gestational diabetes tests with Polly because I just knew I didn't have it. I did it the first time and it's a horrible test because you, you got to sit there for hours and hours and you got to drink this disgusting, pure sugar, like drink. It's pure sugar. It's the sweetest. To
1: say drink. like the in- insulin response. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you get a blood test and then you wait a couple of hours and then you do another blood test. And, you know, if I was super unhealthy, or, you know, of course I would have done it. And the doctor was completely shocked the second time around. She was like, no, you need to get it done. Or, mm, but I don't, but I don't, shouldn't I have a choice? Cause I don't want to like, if I was sitting here overweight and, or looking severely unwell, then maybe you could put a little bit more force on that. But, you know, I'm like, had it done the first time, it was only a year and year and a half ago or, well, you know, two mm. years ago. So, I, you know, I put my foot down and said, no, same with antibiotics. You know, I decided not to take antibiotics because this strange doctor was like, it just randomly told me that I had like an E. coli bladder infection and I didn't have one. I was like, this was, I only saw him once. That's what the hospitals do. You always see a different um, obstetrician. Yeah. So I, So he's like, oh, well, here's a round of antibiotics. Just just gave like, just gave me the prescription yeah, yeah. right there. And I was like, but I don't have any, I don't have a bladder infection. And he's like, oh, we'll just take these in case. And I said, well, how about we do another urine test right now to see if there is one and then I'll consider, you, you know, the options. And he practically rolled his eyes at me and just gave me a lot of attitude. And I went and did it like straight there at the hospital and then came back negative like there was nothing there you know but that was me like you have to put your foot down for Mm -hmm. things of like what you want because they will override you and then I could have taken the antibiotics and you know they don't tell you the links between antibiotics and the health of your baby and the gut microbiome of your baby and you know the links of taking all those sorts of things and I'm not sitting here telling any pregnant woman to not take antibiotics but like go and do your own research and I think that just comes down to everything do as much research as you can. Don't read the first page on Google. Read ten pages. Read twenty. Then you actually understand what the right information might be.
1: And the great thing that you've said there is it's okay to ask more questions to your doctors. Yeah. Don't just you don't just it's have to believe life. everything. You know, the first thing that they say you can ask, is there other options? Yeah.
0: They're gonna probably get annoyed because they hate being questioned. They just they don't like it. But you, you should stand up for your own life. Like it's your life. It's the life of your baby or it's, a li- it's your health. You have every right to ask questions or just to get a bit more knowledge or get your head around trying to understand it because, you know, they speak in very technical terms that mm. it's confusing. So,
1: so second time round, were you taking any any particular supplements or anything or same, same
0: again? I took, so it was like halfway through, I took a like raw prenatal, it was a garden of life, I think the brand was. It was like a multi, you know, a multivitamin. And I only took that because of the stress, the amount of stress that I was under. Like Rowdy wasn't even two. We were moving house. We were renovating. I was trying to run a business. It was a completely chaotic. different pregnancy to my first. Rowdy, I was like chilled out most of the time. I had all the time in the world to nap when I wanted to, sleep, go to bed early. Like, you know, but I was still waking up with a toddler in the night and pregnant. And all the, you know, everything else on top of that. So I felt I needed that little bit of extra support. And I found myself, I ate a lot more cooked food with poly, more processed food. And I felt the difference. My God, did I feel the difference. It should have been the, like, it should have, I should have, you know, tried to stick to as much raw as I possibly could. But just with the amount of stress and the, the lack of time, like with with raising a toddler and I was already so sleep deprived and I was trying to run a business and it just, yeah, I really felt that. So when after, you know, well, after I had poly, it was just straight into just trying to get back on, back on track and you can easily lose track, you know, and I'm not perfect and, you know, but I learned from those, those situations and let myself evolve. And that's one for the listeners is that if you get off track, you can get back on, you know, it might not even be a, you're not off the, off a bad track. You just kind of got a bit lost with certain things in your life. But at any given moment, you can just raise that awareness, get that, get back on track and just continue on and evolve from it.
1: And I know, I know particularly mums listening who are maybe pregnant or looking to have a baby. So I know I asked you about supplements, but yeah. the were did you need to do sort of blood tests or anything during the pregnancies and, and looking at like, you know, B12 or things in the blood or Or was it more you were just intuitively eating, felt healthy and went through the process?
0: Yeah, I felt pretty good. I didn't feel, I mean, rowdy, I felt awesome the whole entire time. And all my blood tests were perfect. I wasn't even on any supplements for being vegan. I never took B12. I did actually take a bit of like a liquid iron because I was still sort of healing from, you know, I was still on my healing journey. I was only like two, three years into it. Yeah. And healing, it's not overnight. It takes years. I didn't get, you know, it took me that long to get unwell. I wasn't just going to heal myself in a month, two months, six months, a year. Like, you know, and it's still continuously going. I'm still healing. So supplement, I I think if I were to do it again, supplement wise, I would definitely take zinc and I would take evening primrose oil and minerals, trace minerals.
1: But you wouldn't take B12?
0: Yeah, I might take B12 every now and then, yeah. I've never had a low B12, but I know a lot of people do, no matter if they eat meat or not. So, my underlying nutrient deficiencies were always zinc. Yeah. Um, I, this was even when I was eating meat, you know, I had a zinc deficiency, I had iron deficiency. So, that's my body. Like, that's my type of supplements, but like, don't just go and do that. If you just, that's because what that's what I do. If you have a B12 issue or you think you need B12, like, do your research on it, go and see what the right B12 you know, is to take one time I got like a B complex, like a mega B complex infusion and it it, it seriously gave me acne <laughs> within a week, like my skin being perfect for years and then I all of a sudden took this, got this B complex in, infusion and then I got acne. I was like, what? And did some research and there's been plenty of other people that have had the same reaction. I have, I don't really know why. It's, you know, a lot of synthetic, um, yeah. you, you know, vitamins and stuff like that.
1: So it goes back again to just understanding your own body.
0: Yeah. What and it, I did it because the doctor was like, you should do this Yeah, because you're vegan. And I'm like, I think, but my blood say I'm pretty good. He's like, you should anyway, because you're vegan. <laughs> like,
1: so if, if, <laughs> uh, if a mother, a pregnant, pregnant woman's listening or wanting to have a kid, are there any sort of focused foods you would recommend or meals? Or yeah. what would you be recommending that they look at, including in yeah. their sort of daily eating?
0: Yeah. Okay. Some top foods, hemp seeds sprouts like broccoli sprouts or pea sprouts yeah peas like just yeah. any yep. sprouts like sprouts are just oh my gosh amazing they're amazing gold amazing. aren't they yeah that's definitely and and for kids too like sprouts and um hemp seeds like these are the sort of same things you can incorporate like when you have children
1: do you eat them sort of on bowls or like in smoothies
0: they're they're like my glitter toppings like yeah. i call them like a glitter topping sauerkraut you know for your probiotics or for your, your digestive enzymes. So it's, Type of things, So I'd say, yeah, hemp seeds, sprouts, trace minerals. Trace minerals are like the number one, especially for the start of the pregnancy. A guy that I've learned a lot about minerals from, uh, Dr. Joel Wallach, not vegan whatsoever, but an absolute library of wisdom about minerals. He talks about minerals in the pregnancy. It's just like a car lineup in a factory, right? So the car can get to the end of the end of the lineup and it can all the doors are on and you know it can look all right but there's no engine in it there's no steering wheel the minerals are the same in this in the process of in those early weeks of pregnancy like in that sort of 8 to 12 weeks if you don't have the right minerals to support that pregnancy like you know a loss of one mineral or not an, not enough of one mineral if it is zinc or selenium or something like that could mean could just mean a miscarriage because of that one mineral, or it could mean a cleft palate. You know, he, this Dr. Joel Wallach, he's done studies in, you know, third world countries where cleft palate is, you know, I, I don't really know the statistics, but a lot of children are born with cleft palate and it's a, it's a mineral deficiency in the pregnancy. Wow. And he did studies with, you know, just supplementing these women with minerals and then not one of them came out with a cleft palate. So it's the same thing with like any sort of birth defect.
1: So is that in like a powder form or a tablet or how do you? Supp-
0: um, yeah, he's. It's called. It's his brand is called Youngevity. He has like a liquid based mineral which is from humic shale, so it's like this old prehistoric dirt. Pretty much all the plants and all the minerals in the soil, like millions and millions of years ago, has been preserved in this humic shale. They call it humic shale. Yeah. And it's and he puts it into like a liquid form, and I just shot it straight down the hatch so
1: you have that like daily Yeah,
0: mostly most days
1: is that something that your kids would have as well yep. or just you
0: love yeah. it yep give it to them that's something i definitely miss in my pregnancy. i didn't know anything about minerals and this past 12 months i've studied minerals like intensively any any friend or someone who gets pregnant um like trace minerals get on your minerals like i don't care if it's the longevity get on trace minerals especially like pre-pregnancy and during those first like those first sort of like three months it's so important it's very interesting yeah it is and when you really dive into it and understand that that sort of lineup and how minerals are in that like that manufacturing lineup of like making a child and making sure everything's in line you know like you might have a child who looks good on the outside like it looks like a good baby but like down, you know, down the track in their life, like they'll have issues, or they might have like, you know, brain disorders or learning def- whatever it is, because of that mineral deficiency during the pregnancy, and because babies take, they literally suck the life from like the female body when we're pregnant. They take everything from us. So if you're naturally not naturally, if you are dealing with a deficiency prior to being pregnant. And then you get pregnant. It's only going to accelerate that deficiency, more and more and more. And then you breastfeed, suck it out of
1: being depleted more, depleted more and
0: more. So supplements, supplements are amazing. Like, but you should definitely start with food, whatever you can get with food. But supplements are amazing, especially like trace minerals and
1: and try and get your body into a really healthy state before getting pregnant, I guess as well. Yeah, if you can
0: exactly. And I want. I'm actually like. I've started a book, but I still haven't finished the one that I need to finish, but I've started a book all about like, like getting your body ready for pregnancy by, you know, doing the right things so that you're, you're ready for that manufacturing lineup of mm, making a baby. That'll
1: be so popular.
0: And yeah. cause that's, that's like.
1: You need to hurry up and write
0: that. <laughs> I need to finish the one I'm bloody working on. It's a long time. It takes a long time to write books. Have mm. you written a book?
1: No, but I'm, I'm, well, I'm in the process now of once I, <laughs> I, I understand.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as you know, just with even podcasts and that sort of stuff, I take so much time to edit it and get the right information out to people. And so the pregnancy one's on the on the it's on the list.
1: So talking about kids, yep, your is your partner vegan? No, no, so he's not vegan. Are the kids, he
0: doesn't eat meat. But okay, he eats and the
1: eggs. kids. Yep. So is that's uh, that's interesting. Is he supportive of them Super being supportive. vegan? I know that there would probably be other families out there in a similar situation. So he's never sort of said, oh, are they, are they going to grow up healthy on a vegan diet or questioned it?
0: No, never. That's great. I think because he's seen, he saw, you know, and just like the same, I never pressured him to to make a change. I just did it for myself. And he saw the, you know, the most drastic change in my, in my health, my vitality, my energy that he became inspired, you know, and he said to me, hey, can we, I don't want to have meat anymore. And yeah. i like, okay didn't make it a big deal just like you know I just let people do what they need to do um that's why I'm not overly preachy because
1: so important
0: everybody's on their own path and they need some people really need to visually see it they need to visually see someone change or see the difference so yeah he's been always super supportive he's never ever questioned me I think based on if he if he was one to do extensive research sure question what what I'm doing but I'm talking about like in health, but
1: you know, it's not his power. Was that a discussion point, I guess, when you were bringing kids into the world of like what kind of food they were going to eat or was it just a given that they were going <laughs> to follow the vegan? I don't, I don't ever
0: remember having a conversation <laughs> like, are we going to raise our children like not eating meat? Yeah. Like I said before, we don't plan too far ahead. We just go with the flow of like what feels right. You know, if Raddy came to me and there has been a time where like he's seen he'd eat egg, you know, and he's like, what's that? Like, what's daddy? Like, I want to eat egg, you know? And then I tell him about the eggs and the process of the eggs. And and I'm like, do you still want to eat it? And he's like, nah, you know, but maybe one day he will. And that's okay. Like he'll still need to learn, but it's, it's about me giving him as much education in a non-judgmental, like way that he can base his decision on how he feels, not because of what I want him to do. So, you know, Say if he wanted to eat an egg, and I was like, "Eggs are bad. Like, there's this, and they're that, and everything I said was negative." He would probably want to do what's right for me. Yeah, and because I, I'm like projecting that he, his decision into his head already before he. Even and said. then
1: he'll probably eventually get to an age where he wants might to rebel, be rebellious, exactly. rebellious. Whereas you're arming him with the right information, and
0: I'm just trying to, you know, I'll just like I'll show him the process of the egg, and I'll talk about the nutrients in the eggs, and. And, and maybe the bad side of the egg too so he's got both sides he can base that decision like he's only four yeah but you know I think just keep continually like just to doesn't matter if it's an egg or whatever it is I just always try and let him intuitively feel what he feels is right at the time so and like I said about meat you know people say oh he's just gonna eat burgers you know when he's in his teens and if that's what he wants to do I'm not gonna stand here and be like
1: yeah
0: you can't do that because that's only gonna push him away from me
1: but at least you've given him the information and
0: And I only ever hope that he'll base his decisions on that information and by seeing you know what can happen to people when they do eat bad food and I tell him about my stories about how I got really unhealthy and you know we sort of I try and talk to him in a way that's like a visual like we sort of visualize like little little creatures and things like in our body and like what they do like when we talk about like you know, gut flora and stuff like that. Like if I were to give him sauerkraut, he'll he'll tell you, like sauerkraut, these little tiny little things in my stomach that, you know, that are really happy and they kill off like the bad guys. And so it's, it's amazing
1: like, that he he is like learning about that at the age of four.
0: Well, I think that's what as parents, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. And making it fun and making it like it's a learning experience, but it doesn't feel like you're drilling information into them. Because then, well, for me, like in in school and stuff, that drilling of information made me kind of rebel against it. I didn't like being told that was the only way of mm. things.
1: So so what's a day of sort of their their eating look like, I'm guessing they're slightly different between the two of them?
0: Yeah, and they are actually, and and I do actually put this down to my pregnancies. Polly is not as good, good as an eater. She's still an awesome eater, but Rowdy, you know, he'll just munch on raw cauliflowers and he'll eat celery sticks and he'll just eat sprouts like straight out of the ground and he'll eat flowers and like, he just loves, he would eat five cucumbers for lunch, you know, he loves it. Whereas she, she's she got a taste for cooked food. And I sometimes I feel like maybe that stems from my pregnancy because I ate so much cooked food when I was pregnant with her. And you can see it in my journey through Instagram too. I shared a lot. I shared that journey of like eating a lot of cooked food when I was pregnant. So sometimes I have thoughts about that. Like maybe that's why she doesn't have the taste. You know, she'll still eat Rowdy's, watch Rowdy eat it all, but she doesn't love it like he does. And I'm trying to kind of turn that around. But yeah, so a day, I don't know, might wake up and I'll just sort of give them the option. Like, what do you feel like? Let them sort of choose what they want. You know, Rowdy might be like, oh, I feel like bananas or I feel like, oranges or I want some avocado toast or you know whatever it is I want porridge so I'll just let them see what they feel like instead of yet me just like serving something up for them not so much Polly because she can't quite communicate exactly what she wants like she'll go up and I always have the fruit basket full and they can just go and get what they want but she tends to now think that she has the choice to go up any time of the day and just open all the fruit and leave it out (laughs) she's like yeah I can do this um yeah so breakfast is usually always fruit smoothie or juice or you know in the cooler months they'll have some porridge or you know like a oat sourdough like toast or acai bowls like we'll go down the beach and have some bowls they'll snack on like radu will snack on things like cucumber and they'll have like crack like brown rice crackers with all sorts of you know toppings of sprouts and avocado cucumber tomato i do give them um celtic i know people say it call it celtic or celtic salt Yeah. Um, for minerals as well Um, we don't overdose on it but just it's really good I think it's really good for kids for the minerals like to get that extra dose of minerals in if anyone's listening and give their kid table salt cut it change it up change it up table salt's only got two minerals and like you need that synchronicity of all of the minerals together to do what it needs to do in the body so that's why like Celtic is 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 amazing because it's got over 80 it's like 84 83 over 80 minerals in it within it and in their natural state really good for growth of of a child and any human really just that like all the you know neurological like neurotransmitters and all that sort of stuff like minerals are just amazing for that lunch will be i don't know same same type of thing it might be like leftovers from the night before like if we had like a curry or something and we'll just like you know put some extra greens on there some avocado
1: so you mix it up between raw and cooked. Food,
0: yeah, but know. we tend to not go to like fruit after we've had yeah. cooked just because of the digestion, especially if it's close. If I can get the kids to go, you know, four or five hours in between lunch and dinner and maybe for dinner they want fruit, then that's, that's all right because there, there has been enough time to slowly die, like to get that digestion going and then they won't have problems with bloating and gas and stuff like that. But if they have it super close... I'll notice it straight away. And Do you want to just
1: explain that a little bit more for the listeners, what you're talking about in terms of fruit and...
0: Yeah. So, well, fruits digest extremely fast. 30, 40 minutes can be out of the stomach, um, down into the small intestine. So, whereas with cooked food and even some vegetables that are cooked or even some vegetables that are raw, it doesn't... it's not like super high water content, right? So it'll sit in your stomach for longer. It needs a lot more digestive enzymes, different reactions within the stomach that to break it down. And it'll take a longer time to then transport from the stomach down to the small intestine. So say you've eaten, you know, say you've eaten for breakfast, you've had, you know, four slices of toast. And then you want to have a smoothie an hour later. And then you wonder why you've got bloating and you've got pain because the fruit from the smoothie is trying to push it's faster in digestion. You've still got all this cooked food maybe only sitting in your small intestine. It's not moved through yet. So all the fruit's trying to get through. It's like weaving its way, creating like pockets of gas and that's creating bloating and then that's creating uncomfort, like uncomfort is that a word? Uncomfortable. You know, you're feeling you're feeling like you're in pain because all of that gas is building up. So you just want to give, if you're going to eat cooked food and you're still thinking you might have fruit later, give it well and truly like enough time, four or five plus hours before you go and eat fruit. Some people can get away with it, or they may be used to having that 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 discomfort of being yeah, bloated. And so it's, th- normal and it's normal. And it's normal, you know. Or they, they, and they people tend to blame the fruit and they're like, I can't eat fruit because it, you know, it gives me gas. It's like, well, have you tried eating fruit by itself? And then, like eat it before you have any cooked. Eat it for breakfast, or mm. give yourself five, you know, four, five, six hours before you have it, so you, that all of that so, other food has. So what do you time. think
1: about like a a porridge that has is warm but has fruit with it? Yeah. Would you say would you tend to have like a porridge without fruit?
0: I've definitely had porridges with fruit, and I've you know I've openly put that out there, like with mandarin, but I can get away with certain fruits. Because of how they digest, berries are fine. I can have as much berries as I want with cooked food or like a porridge or something like that. It doesn't tend to bother me. But then ten now now in saying that, I don't really eat much like oats and stuff yeah. anymore. But
1: but if someone is experiencing like a lot of like I wouldn't go and put
0: watermelon on top of porridge
1: because it goes through so quick. You
0: you that'll it, be so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I couldn't I couldn't imagine many people that would be able to do that and be fine and have a, a super flat stomach. So just try and keep it apart, like, you know, stick to your low, lower sugar fruits, like your berries and stuff with your porridges, like don't go and put, like I said, watermelons and melons, you know, a little bit of banana might be all right, but it depends on the person. It really does. It depends on the type of like digestive juices you've got going on and your stomach acid because someone might have amazing stomach acid and they can just break all that food down so quickly and they don't really have many issues with digestion at all but then you can have someone that's got this underlying stomach acid problem for years and years and then they try and combine even just even if it is just berries and oats and then they get bloated mm. so just take just you know swap it out just don't do any fruit for a while just try and heal your gut a bit
1: see if you can feel the difference
0: yeah and stomach i mean talking about stomach acid like minerals are amazing for stomach acid to get that stomach acid balance back up apple cider vinegar, lemon, they can really help um, bring that pH and like ne- neutralize that pH down if you've got too much stomach acid or like super low. So yeah, a bit of research into stomach acid because it's it's so important for the absorption of all your nutrients, breaking down all your food and, you know, the release of digestive enzymes throughout the system to be able to break any food down.
1: The kids, so you went through what they eat. Other than minerals, do they take any other supplements or they get everything out of their food?
0: Yeah, they pretty much just get everything out of their food. Like I'll give them supplements to support them if, you know, they're getting if I feel like they're getting sick, like I'll, you know, give them a bit of zinc and, you know, we'll I'll sometimes give them evening primrose oil for like a bit of extra fats, especially rowdy, because he's so active. And he he he'll just eat all the fruit in the world all day. Loves it. But he tends to not like he doesn't like nut butters and he doesn't like nuts and seeds like overly too much so he like, loves avocado but it's, you know, it's pretty the only much like the only fats that he's sort of getting so I sometimes will give him like a bit of extra like some hemp oil here and there or some evening primrose oil but not day- I don't give him anything daily other than mineral really
1: and in terms of like blood tests is that something that you, that a, a parent who has kids being raised on a vegan diet needs to consider or is it really Just feeding them healthy food, and
0: it's hard to say because I haven't had blood tests for the kids as of yet. It's something I'd probably be interested in doing down the track when they're a bit older. Just the thought of yeah, getting a blood test—it'll be probably a horrific scene. They will not like. um, They will not like that. I don't really know the whole process. I guess it's the same as an adult process blood test, but um, I think if you feel if you've got a vegan child or if you're raising vegan kids and. If you intuitively feel like something's not right just try and try and get to the bottom of it as much as you can and if that means a blood test do it it's better to know if your if your child has a deficiency through a blood test than just trying to guess or go oh they'll be you know they're all right they're eating enough good food like if you feel like something's not right check it out and do something about it because many children can get nutritional deficiencies at a young age from eating all different types of diets it doesn't matter just because you're vegan, you're going to be deficient. So yeah, just if you feel like it's the right thing to do, you know, or you feel like there's something different going on, then follow it up. You should as a parent, you know, with anything, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If you intuitively feel like it's not right, then yeah, do your research. Lots of it.
1: You've, I, I think you've commented a few times about cutting gluten out yes. Of your diet, so you you've cut that out, right? Yeah, and I'm presuming the kids don't eat gluten. Yeah, can you talk us through that and what the process was for eliminating that from your diet?
0: Yeah, okay. So gluten, gluten. Oh my god, where do I start? It's <laughs> so I believe that I've had a gluten sensitivity issue my entire life, and I didn't really find out about it until my sort of mid twenties, and mostly this year that I've really gone. I understand now why gluten is is really adding to health issues and why I choose not to raise my family with, with gluten foods. You know, occasionally they might have like, oh, I'm talking like once a year, you know, if they're at a family thing and they might have like sourdough or something, but you'll never see him eating white bread. You'll never see him eating that sort of processed bread. So gluten, for the people listening don't understand what if you've got a gluten sensitivity or celiac or something like that, what gluten does to your body, digestive wise. So in your small intestine, you've got these like projective, projective, like finger projecting villi that are your whole small intestine is covered with millions of
1: lined with them. Yeah,
0: lined your whole yeah the whole walls of your small intestine is, is lined with these villi, and they sort of look like little
1: like tentacles.
0: M- yeah, like like the you know like the kind of look like. You know the coral in the sea yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of waves around like yeah. that's kind of what I what I visualize it to be. And they kind of do the same thing. They suck up nutrients of what's going through your small intestine. When you eat gluten, like gluten is just one of the things that can irritate these villi, but when you eat gluten and you're sensitive to it, you have an intolerance or you're celiac, it flattens the villi out, completely flattens them out. They become inflamed. You can no longer absorb nutrients properly and there's different levels. You might get irritated and they're still absorbing nutrients, but not quite 100% or you can be full-blown celiac. You cannot have any gluten and your villi are completely flat. You're not absorbing pretty much any nutrients and then you're faced with nutritional deficiencies.
1: What percentage of people do you think from your research that sort of have some level of intolerance to that?
0: Like a lot. I don't, I mean, I can't really give you like data, but I think a lot of the Western population has major issues with gluten. And it's, it's probably one of the biggest issues out of all the diets. And it's probably one of the biggest issues that I see most vegans have because when they go vegan, they eat a shit ton of gluten. They can still eat bread. They can still eat pasta. They can still eat cereals. And a lot of the process, I mean, a lot of the fake meat, is based mm. on gluten protein, like it's pure, pure, pure wheat, pure protein, wheat protein. It's it's pure gluten. Yeah. It's because gluten, when you break it down from the wheat, it's it's stringy, stretchy, it binds, it's mm. sticky. I've
1: seen an experiment. I'm not sure. Have you seen that? The experiment? one where he blows they blow up, blow it up That is crazy. It's, you should. Um, if I think it's on YouTube, right? Yeah.
0: You just can,
1: you can type in gluten experiment and yeah, they get gluten. the dough right they get two different doughs and they
0: wash it with the water <laughs> and then what's left is is pure gluten and that's yeah. like what they're making a lot of these fake meats out of mm. um because it it resembles like that stretchy like chewy meat texture and it, it it really angers me too because like as much as i love that there's there's alternatives to meat mm. like i reckon 95% of them are based on wheat protein and Then people are constantly asking me like, I've gone vegan, but these Mm. issues aren't going away. I've got nutritional deficiencies. I've got terrible acne. I'm losing my hair. I've got weight gain, and they think that it's the vegan diet. Like they think that I'm like, do you still eat gluten? Yeah. And it's it's such a general question that they that it's kind of being raised a lot now. But I think once you really understand what gluten can do to your body, and that's just digestive, like you know, and gluten. Long-term exposure can like lower your stomach acid, so you then you're not absorbing nutrients. It can diminish like your B12 and your zinc.
1: So if someone is sort of having issues with their digestion or just generally not feeling that well, and they ha- do you recommend that they like do an elimination and, and test and sort of learn on their own body?
0: Yeah, just I would just say just try and just try and cut it out. Do it for do it for a week. Do it for three days. Whatever it is, just see what difference you feel, and then most people are like, "Wow, I can't believe the difference! I didn't even realize that that was doing that to me. I didn't realize that you know, gluten was doing that to me." But you know, there's so much more to talk about gluten because you know, there's there's a glyphosate issue as well. I think you've spoken about this, have you?
1: Glyphosate, yeah, briefly in a couple of podcasts, yeah, not not in so much detail yet.
0: That's that's obviously a chemical that they spray on the wheat Mm. these days and it's like what roundup is roundup that's what roundup is and if you even just look at the latest news of roundup you know i think they got sued for 280 million or billion dollars for someone who you know all these people that had cancer got sick yeah got sick from it like
1: there's a there's an area i think it's in tennessee Mm -hmm. which is like called um cancer cancer alley
0: Mm -hmm. i think
1: it's cancer alley where because
0: all their water is draining
1: into yeah. their town. A lot of the, the runoff yeah. of these crops that yeah. have been sprayed with it. And there's just so, like so. an incredible amount of people being diagnosed with cancer in that area. Yeah. I think it's Cancer Alley. It's allied. like
0: the story, the um, Erin Brockovich movie, mm. you know, she went down the down the deep research path of like why these towns were getting sick and it was because of the water and the exposure to certain chemicals and radiation and all that sort of stuff. Like glyphosate and Roundup, it's like the same thing. <laughs> You know, we're just been told for so many decades that it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. It's sprayed on like all of our, not all of our vegetables, but like all of the mainstream commercial um, crops.
1: So, do you eat organic? Yeah, vegetables, hundred percent fruit. Yep,
0: like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. You know, if I eat out and it's not an organic cafe, like okay, yeah. But there's some things that I will not eat non-organic soy strawberries and stuff in berries yeah. and um yeah, soy. soy corn like i don't really eat corn at all anymore because you know that's with my gluten sensitivity like i'm quite sensitive to corn so i'll limit that you know as much as i possibly can but yeah glyphosate's a massive one with like gluten because you get that on top of the gluten problem mm. and then the other proteins like gliadin in wheat that can add <laughs> to just escalate those those issues and obviously the wheat Crops are not the same as what they were, you know, back in the fifties and earlier because they were hybridized and they were selected, you know, it's this whole selective breeding, you know, Mm. they don't want to call it like DNA altering, but it is like they're crossbreeding to higher, bigger yields, higher yields. So So they have different different. nutrition.
1: Yeah. They're loaded with pesticides. Loaded.
0: Yeah. And they, and their DNA, like they hold on to that because glyphosate, like it, the whole purpose of is to get into the DNA to then repel certain insects and bugs Mm. so that the plant can still live, but everything else that touches it dies. Any insect that eats glyphosate will die, you know, and then they say, oh, it doesn't harm humans. Mm. It's like- Think about it. (laughs) Just like, let's just think about that for a second. Yeah, so the gluten problem is is so major.
1: What other foods, what other um, plant-based foods should someone that is looking to sort of avoid gluten or run an elimination test I mean you can google it but what other main ones would you be telling them to sort of look out for
0: yeah it's it's a hard one with the vegan diet but soy especially just non-organic soy like if you're buying non-organic tofu and you're eating you're trying to replace your meat protein with with non-organic tofu like you might run into some problems for sure you know go with a tempeh it's it's a lot different because of the process of the fermentation of the soy. Like you eat a lot of tempeh. Yeah, I do. And you you. Like I
1: have it. a lot of chickpea tempeh now.
0: Yeah, okay, good.
1: So I mix it up, some soy, but you know, I I, I eat a little bit of tofu, but I definitely eat more tempeh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think because a lot of people don't do the tempeh first. They do the after years of being like, yeah. you know, a non meat eater, then they'll go to the not is- like you
1: don't I mean, when, when I wasn't vegan, I didn't even really know what tempeh was. No, I didn't. I, I, of course, you've heard of tofu. but
0: Yeah, but half, I didn't yeah. eat tempeh either until way, like, years down the track. Um, it's getting a lot more known now, and it's definitely a lot better than, than to- like, yeah, tofu Tofu was okay in small amounts, but it has to be organic. And soy, you know, because just things like, because so- soy is the same thing. It's, it's sprayed with, mm. with the Roundup, and the seeds are, you know, genetically modified. So you just want to stay away like it, it alters your own DNA like in your body. Mm.
1: And yeah. what about what about gluten containing foods? So what foods if someone opens their pantry, would they be able to identify as containing gluten?
0: Yeah, it's pretty it's can be hard and you have to it's a it's a skill set to yeah. learn. Because gluten gluten like soy sauce, right? You're getting a double whammy of if it's a non-organic you're getting soy. Yeah. That's genetically modified soy. And then you're getting wheat yeah. in like because it's it's fermented wheat mm-hmm. that's in soy sauce. So you're getting a double hit of like that could potentially seriously harm your in, in your insides.
1: You can now get, I know we buy a tamari, a tamari yeah. gluten-free tamari. Yeah. Which is basically the same thing.
0: It's exactly the same, tastes delicious. Yeah. Like I don't really feel there's much difference in the taste. And yeah, it's got none of that. And just yeah, always just want to make sure you've got organic, like where you can gluten is in a lot of things and it's contaminated a lot of things because the pro like the milling process of other flours and, and grains and seeds are in the same milling process as wheat so that's why with oats it's really hard to find them but you try and find non contaminated oats because you can get gluten free oats but it's just because most oats have gluten in them because they're milled with the, in the same machines as wheat and you know these tiny tiny particles they're just completely contaminated the oats. So but if you're someone like a celiac, you probably won't be able to eat oats anyway, just because of how the proteins break down in the body as well. But yeah, gluten's in a lot of things, it's in sources and it's it's hidden in things that are that are like blended, you know, because gluten is like a binding like agent. Yeah. So they'll add it into things. And like obviously with vegans, if a lot of people, vegans listening, like just I love to support the vegan community and these people doing these mock meats and stuff, but they can make you very, very mm. ill. And if their first ingredient is wheat protein, maybe just double think it mm. and look look for a different alternative. Try and love vegetables a little bit more. I don't know, like do your tempeh.
1: do do find one. a gluten free bread that you like.
0: Yeah, I mean, even that's hard too because a lot of gluten free breads have eggs, yeah, and they still have a lot of other grains. We'll make one at home try and make it we'll just you know it takes years to try and get off the bread addiction because it's a real thing mm-hmm. <laughs> so gl- gluten soy just gmo try and stay away from like genetically modified foods like corn and because corn's in a lot of things like corn corn flour corn and, 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 and corn flours, and it's the same syrups. thing like corn syrup like it's it's in and it's in a lot of vegan foods so it makes me sad that like a lot of people are transitioning to vegan lifestyle yeah. and thinking they're being super healthy but they're being then faced with like terrible health mm. issues and digestive problems and hormonal imbalances like from the mm. genetically modified soy. Well,
1: vegan, vegan the term's not really synonymous with health, you know? No. Well, you can do a very unhealthy vegan I diet. Know.
0: I'm pretty sure like you can just live on Doritos, two-minute noodles and...
1: Some mock meats. Mock meats. Okay. I think you summarized that really well. Yeah,
0: sorry. I can get so <laughs> deep into the whole gluten thing. It's crazy. Well, I'll tell you one quick story about gluten, right? So. So my partner's had night terrors his entire life. Do you know night terrors? Yeah. Yeah. Entire life. Something that we'd never thought that he would ever get over or could get over, you know, all the doctors and the sleep analysis people would just say, it's just something in your neurological system that does something when you sleep. So I put him like, you know, because obviously I make all the food here and prepare all the food. I'm like, I'm not buying bread anymore. I'm not doing that sort of stuff anymore. Let's just try gluten-free. Completely wiped night terrors not one because gluten crosses the blood brain barrier and it's it's a neurotoxin and especially if you have other digestive issues or leaky gut you know it gets in your bloodstream straight into your brain cause like severe depression i did a post about gluten i don't know if you saw it on my instagram about like i did a four-day sort of gluten test and sorry
1: yeah, the yeah before and after the before and after yeah. you know it was four days that, and... that could
0: have been that looked like it could have been months in between yeah because it looked like i gained heaps of weight yeah. it was mainly just bloating it was the irritation of my digestive system but i also mentioned about the anxiety and the depression i got so quickly from eating gluten like i felt seriously depressed after four days couldn't my mind wasn't clear
1: and there's a huge connection between the gut and, and, and the mind.
0: the brain exactly yeah. so yeah gluten's a no-no for me
1: Social media, you just, mm-hmm. just mentioned it there. Obviously, it has an extraordinary amount of benefits, yep. but how do you sort of keep it in check and stop it from sort of overwhelming or en- engrossing your entire life and, um, and consuming you?
0: It has consumed me at some point in my life. After I had poly, it was mainly the sleep deprivation that, that added to this, but I started to like, my thick skin was no longer there. The things people would say about me and the pe- the way that people would attack me and judge me, it really got to me, and I stopped the vulnerability I stopped sharing for a couple of years. like I was still there, but I wasn't really there, and it's not really until
1: because you started your Instagram, I mean in terms of like the whole well sharing your wellness journey. yeah. At a time where there was no near as many other people doing it, right? Seriously, there
0: wasn't anybody. So
1: it was probably a lot scarier because you weren't able to look at other people. No, but then it wasn't
0: scary because it was like, it wasn't even a thing. I didn't do it for any other reason other than just purely sharing. I didn't have followers. I didn't have, there was no reason that would benefit other people really at the start. Like even when you can go way back to my first ever. Post. I've not deleted anything it's exactly who I was back then you can see my whole transition from
1: what year was that roughly
0: 2010 I think I first got Instagram could be wrong could be 2011 but it was around that time so, so
1: that was when even... you were going through these changes yeah well,
0: when I first got Instagram I was yeah. not healthy there's yeah. pictures of me binge watching Sons of Anarchy eating McDonald's on my bed you know and
1: that's that's amazing that you've kept it up there to show people well, because lots of people great. say,
0: "Oh, it's easy for you. You've always been healthy." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." Scroll back. Scroll, but like, there's a lot to scroll back. But scroll back. It's there. I mean, you can read my stories. You can read my interviews and understand that it was never the case. And I've shared that whole transition. Showing that
1: possible. Yeah. yeah.
0: So social media it was good. It was. It was a lot easier back then because I didn't really feel like there was much judgment, and I didn't. I didn't know how harsh people.
1: And would at, what, be. at what stage did you start getting like a lot of? I say traction, it's the wrong word. Pregnancy. More, more, yeah, just, just interest, other people interest, And you're like, hang on. It was the
0: pregnancy because it was like, oh, she's pregnant now. Like, this is going to be a telltale sign if this vegan diet will, will it, work. Will it hold up? Yeah. Will it hold? You know, I want, you know, wonder how this is going to go. Is she going to put on 50 kilos from eating 10 bananas for breakfast, those type of things? And because I got some media coverage, uh, I just did a real simple interview with um, news.com.au. And it just blew up and went viral.
1: Did you feel pressure? Any pressure about like maintaining this vegan diet with the world sort of watching you during the pregnancy, or was it more just sticking to your to what you were doing? No, I just partly? felt like
0: it was. I just felt like it was right. I felt yep. good. Um, it was a bit of pressure after all the media stuff because I was like, mm, what if this pregnancy doesn't go well, and then the media, the vegan community is going to get slammed because of this? And I didn't want that. Like, I really. You know, cause I was like, like, I'm a realist. People have pregnancy problems yeah, all the time. Anyone
1: and, can, yeah.
0: And it can be, it can be such an, like an underlying issue, like, like a mineral thing. You know, you can still eat healthy, but maybe you're not absorbing, you know, a certain mineral that's, that's going to support that pregnancy and you might have miscarriage, whatever it is.
1: So you had those little bits of doubts about like what, what that could look like to. The-
0: it wasn't really doubts. It was just, it was just a thought. It was like, yeah. well, there's, there is definitely a lot more, pre- like there's more people watching me now. Yeah. Like before before that interview, there was still a lot. But after that, it really, like my followers escalated and it was like, well, there's a lot of people watching this, this pregnancy. So, but then, yeah, I've always felt pretty, pretty solid in my decisions. And, you know, it's not always like people think it's, oh, it's it's a dream to be like, you know, people call us influencers now. Hey, like I was never an influencer. I did. There wasn't even a word back then. It wasn't even a thing. But I understand now, like, my power of being an influencer and that's why I always try and be like just be a positive influence and not not a negative one but still trying to be like as authentic as I can to me and not and not hide myself away because someone else doesn't like something I do or they don't think it's in line with my beliefs people will always judge people are always going to have an opinion but their opinion is theirs and you know I'm just trying to live my best life I'm just trying to do what's right for me and I'm not perfect I'm not just, just trying to be authentic and show you that I'm a human being. I'm not trying to be fake, and I think that's why like a lot of people love that on authenticity because I just, I just try and be as real as possible. I'm not like I'm some famous in- influencer. I don't even view myself as that. I'll like, you know, i welcome people into my world and just, I just be like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm just a normal person. So yeah. live, like, trying to just like live, live in this world and learn as I go. I'm not an expert. I'm not a know-it-all. I don't know that everything that I share is right but I know that the reason that I share it I know that the right that it's for the right reasons. And I think that it's it, genuine. It comes down to that because I get questioned so much like you're not a doctor why are you why are you giving advice. Why?
1: And the, I mean I was going to ask you yeah. so there was that recent you mentioned about the precancerous cells and I think it was was it Daily Mail or something yeah, was that daily. recently or last year? No
0: that was, was just just recently a couple of weeks yeah. Yeah.
1: And do you want to just talk us through how that evolved yeah. and what your reaction was?
0: Yeah. So, you know, so they come, you know, they, they, they approached me and want to do an interview, right? So I'm like, cool, I'll do an interview. But the thing with the media is that they take what they want. They take snippets out. So she asked me like, what are some of the problems that you had prior to getting unwell? And what are the, some of the things that helps you f- heal those problems and fix those problems? So I listed all the different things and some of the things I've mentioned here, but she took, the you know, the precancerous cells or the abnormal cells. I didn't even, I think I just said abnormal cells. She called them precancerous yeah. cervical cells. And I mentioned that activated charcoal was one of the remedies that I used at home to help me detoxify. So, you know, her opening headline in the in the paper was, you know, mummy blogger heals her cancer cervical cells with charcoal.
1: It's all it's all context, isn't it? You can change the context. And
0: then I've got all these people coming to me and like I've got cervical cancer. Should I take, should I take charcoal? Is it going to get rid of it? You know, and I'm like, yeah. wow, it's so much more complex than that. And that's the thing with media. I mean, even like podcasts like this, like obviously this is a lot more detailed, but it's health is so complex and healing is so complex and it's so different for every person. You can't just do exactly what someone did and think that you're gonna get those exact same results. So, you know, with the media, they covered that story, you know. I think because it had the cancer involved in it, it was like
1: yeah, it made. it. But you know what is is super amazing about that is that like um, processed meats are classified as like a class one carcinogen, right? Yeah. Which is like has is known to cause cancer, mm-hmm. right? Yet they still sell them in the major grocery stores yeah. like and Seven Eleven and whatnot, yeah, and things like that are rarely rarely like spoken, uh, about. spoken about or they're not they don't get the big headline Seven Eleven selling cancer causing me yeah and a doctor commenting like it's that's that's initially I what wish I we could go just on. go and, like, and
0: raid all the like we'll make all these stickers and be like <laughs> cancer this will this will cause cancer and just stick them on all the process me yeah so but yeah no and that's the thing yeah it's crazy because you know and then I get slammed by by these medical professionals you know saying pretty much that I'm an idiot I'm full of garbage. Like I'm pretty sure they said it's utter garbage. How do you
1: handle saying. that personally?
0: I'm all right now. Like I'm all right with it now. Like, you know, when I go back to after I had Polly, I was I was a little bit sensitive to a lot of what people were saying and the judgment and kind of doubting my knowledge. I was like, am I really willing to share this? Because you do get the backlash no matter what you're going to say, no matter how you self, put yourself out there. But you know, this year I've really come into my own. I'm like, I know my purpose and You know, like I said before, I don't I don't know that I'm right. I don't know that everything I share is right and all of my knowledge is right. I'm forever learning. But I know that that I'm doing it for the right reasons. And that's always the message that I want other people to get that like like I said before, hope it just sparks a, you know, sparks that flame within and then you go on your own journey. You know, you can be like, Lonnie Jane, help me just realize that there's another way that I can do something else, that I don't just have to listen to the norm. And, and do that because it's not getting you anywhere. So the media, can, the media can say and the doctors and stuff can say what they want and, you know, they're experts in their particular field and that's okay. I don't really think they need to put me down. I don't think that's necessary. But maybe it's a threat because it's a threat to them. Like they're, they're being questioned of what, what their treatments are because there is another way that you can help yourself at home or do your own research to be able to heal your own body before you have to mm. go and have surgery and you know get th- certain things cut out. So I'm not really sure why I tend to be this like beacon to get slammed by the medical profession professionals. I I don't know why those interviews end up being like that.
1: Probably probably be flattered by it. It's, it's a it's a sign that you are you're obviously making enough noise. Yeah. So you're reach, well, actually, reaching a large number of people, which as you said is is a little bit threatening for them.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to threaten anyone like I love I love doctors, I love mm. people in the hospitals that save people's lives and all those sorts of things, but I think the issue comes down to we all need to take more responsibility like as an individual human being for our own health. Like just take yourself away from all the things that distract you, that tell you what to do and then see how you feel without that and see what you want to do without all that information being drilled into you daily. Turn your TV off. Turn off the radio. Stop watching all this brainwashing stuff on TV. Don't watch the news. Like, just
1: get educated and make your own. Get decisions.
0: educated. Like, don't always don't don't just don't even listen to me. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. Just go and find some other information that you will not get through the mainstream.
1: What resources would you recommend for people to go to?
0: Oh, if you want if you want to look at studies and you want everything to be backed by science, you want to look at PubMed. You can type in anything and you'll pretty much get a study on it. You know, but this, uh, I don't know if this is a bit touchy subject, but the thing with science and research is it, it's, not, it's not gospel. Like it's, why should we take science, research as gospel information when, you know, and the food industries, why, why are we taking, why, why are we putting that on a pedestal? Like it's the only correct information when they've got it wrong. And
1: maybe. a lot of it's driven by agendas.
0: Exactly. And they've got it wrong many times over. Like if you look down the generations of what they've sort of, how their major decisions have backed science research, you know, through the food administrations and that pyramids and all that sort of stuff, you know, low-fat diets, high-fat diets, low-carb, low-sugar, like, you know, and they're they're the ones who've been controlling the societies that then detrimentally lead to these chronic health issues that Mm. we have 30 years down the track.
1: I think some of the good stuff that, that I personally like to look at is like populations that are thriving mm. and just taking a bit of inspiration by what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you look at age, like we, we all t- we live a lot longer than what we used to, you know, if you compare it to like the 1800s and 700s and all that sort of stuff where life expectancy was, I think it was, you know, 40, 30, 40 years old and even Europe was maybe like 25. We're definitely living longer, but we're faced with such – Like chronic issues Mm. now, you know, and you even look at like Alzheimer's and dementia. It's like that wasn't even known. Like that wasn't even like a thing like back in the 50s. Like it was only ever discovered like early 1900s. And then now it's like, I feel like every old person or even, you know, you can be 60 and you're faced with Mm. this dementia and you completely lose your mind. And it's the second biggest killer of women in Australia.
1: It's crazy, you
0: know. And my, my nana's actually got it and she's in complete denial about it and when yeah it's i think those when you when you're faced with things like that's never been happen, like never come up before like even this gluten thing like all these gluten sensitivity all these celiacs look at what the changes were 30 50 years ago because you know i'm 30 and then the 50 year olds and the people are having all these chronic issues and then now it's yeah, now it's earlier now it's children it's because of what we implemented you know, mm. 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. So that's sort of why I don't necessarily always trust what research and science, like it's not gospel and don't take it as gospel. Like don't just believe everything. Just try and try and find that intuition within yourself to get to that point where you can feel what's intuitively right for you and your family.
1: I read something the other day about the lifespan, what you were just talking about. So our. Uh, there's health span and there's lifespan mm-hmm. and our lifespan is just how how many years we live so as you said we are living longer yeah. but health span is the the number of years we're living in good health mm. so you take your lifespan minus your years of chronic disease yeah it's probably you more you, chronic yeah.
0: disease life yeah. than
1: correct so so there's a lot although we're living longer we're living more years with chronic disease yeah. as a society
0: i agree is there a study on that i'd love to it i can
1: send you through that yeah
0: yeah because that's so true because you see most people hit 25 and then they're, they're, those chronic health issues really start showing themselves and you can't, no, you can no longer, like when you're younger. Actually, I'll just relate this to a, a a really large, what do you call it, like media, TV, news show has approached me and the topic is orthorexia. Do you know what it is? It's strange. so strange. Okay, so orthorexia is, People being obsessed with eating healthy. It's a thing, apparently. And it's a problem, apparently. Psychologists and these doctors are saying it's a problem. I haven't done heaps of research into it, but.
1: Too much focus on food. Is that what they're saying? Well, too, like, on on health. They
0: think that, like, you know, social media influencers have too much, too much influence on on people that then they're becoming obsessed with eating healthy food. I mean,
1: my, question, my question to that yeah. would be, or comment would be, is it better to be sort of informed and almost a little bit obsessed with eating healthy or completely uninformed and setting yourself up for chronic disease? Yeah. Um,
0: I, I, my, I, pretty much my reaction was the same thing. I didn't even know what orthorexia was. And then I thought, well, you know, because sort of, they asked me, like, do you think you're adding to the problem of orthorexia? And I'm like, no. Because I try and give people information to back up to back up what I'm what I'm saying or what I'm doing, or I really try and live show you the proof of the pudding. like what I implement and what I tell you to implement is what I'm doing for myself. and you know I'm not putting I'm also not putting every photo of me in a bikini and then not telling you how to do it. like if I'm putting a picture up of myself and I might be looking slim and lean, the caption probably will tell you, information of how i've got there and if you maybe follow that or use some of that information to go and do your own research you can get there too but i don't know this whole orthorexia thing i guess i haven't met someone who's like obsessed with eating healthy in a bad way if they're if they're orthorexic because they're obsessed with someone through social media because they want to just be like them and be skinny if their only value is to be slim they're not yeah that's so not,
1: they're not
0: actually doing it for health. They're yeah. doing it for, you know, reasons for just being slim, which is more of their own mindset that I have no control over. So it's a confusing one because there is a lot of damaging, I think, influences on social media. And they, they don't tell you anything about how to get the body that they have or the health that they look like that they have. And a lot of people look, you can be 20, and eat whatever you want and look amazing, Mm. you're probably not going to feel those effects until you're starting to get into your 30s or you have children, then you cannot turn back time. And you're wondering why? Because you were never healthy. You know, you Mm. never supported your body.
1: Yeah, it can be a pretty dangerous thing to be just comparing yourself to people on social media.
0: Yeah, like don't, like do not compare yourself. You're like, you're so different. Everybody is so different. Living a different life, raised differently. I always hope that people only just, use me as an inspiration to, to better something in their life, mm. to make a better choice. Like if it's one thing, great. My job's done. I feel awesome. Don't try and live my life. I I couldn't even tell you how. So just live your own.
1: And you need to, you need to get really comfortable in your own skin and be happy with who you are to be able to serve other people around you and, you know, I, I,
0: back to like how people influence you, like influences are just, what's the difference between. You know, seeing someone in person when you're in high school, like someone that you looked up to and thought was amazing, they could trigger an anorexic eating disorder, whatever it is. But it's got nothing to do with them. Like if they've just got good genes or they're doing the right thing for them, whatever their reason of looking that way, how they have no they have no input in how you feel. It's it's your own mindset, and that can stem back from childhood. That can stem back from parenting and your friendships, the people you surround yourself with. It could. It could be that, you know, you have intolerances and you, you still continuously eat that. Like like I said about gluten and it's a, it's a neurotoxin and it can seriously make you depressed. And then you can look upon someone's life like it's better just because of something so cynical. Mm,
1: how you frame something in your mind.
0: It just stems way back. It's so much more complex than just saying that person is to blame. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're getting to the end of this one. I've got a couple yeah. more questions. Actually. I did. I brought you a couple of things. So I was at a, I was at a little, um, Aww, a retreat, and I got a few gifts. I don't know what, what's it called when you get a gift and then you gift it to someone else. Indian. I've, yeah. Indian or Indians, Indians if I take it back. Oh, you're
0: not going to take, take it back. Not oh. going to take it back.
1: But I've, I've got a ton of gifts <laughs> and I can't put
0: Ooh, them all Rachel. in my bag.
1: I yep. put them all in my bag. So Aww, I brought a couple for you. Few. I thought, of all oh my people, God, you would like them. So that's like Come a on. coconut bowls candle. This is a little bit of uh, reishi raishi mushroom. Oh
0: yeah, I'm all is, about the mushrooms. Um with they, organic chemicals. Yeah, protein.
1: that's um life cycle. So a friend, oh, friend thank of you mine. First,
0: hey. thank
1: they've me. moved from Perth to Byron.
0: Wow.
1: And they do all of they forage for the mushrooms. Yeah. And then they grow them in Byron Bay.
0: Yeah. I've I've been in contact with them a bit in the past. Yeah. I was gonna do that. do they still sell like the grow you can grow your own mushrooms.
1: Yeah, you can them? do that. So you can get a box and you can grow
0: <laughs> I got to get anywhere
1: contact. between like five and forty kilos a week. So good. And now they've just brought these out as well In they're coming out soon in like an extract form. So it's like liquid. You can just put it straight into your smoothies.
0: Love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mushrooms are amazing for cognitive function. And I actually, I've been using the uh, Mason's mushrooms for years okay. and years, yep. but it's been the best supplement, I guess you could say, for writing my books. It just, my brain is like Good. on fire when mm. I have that stuff. It just opens like another realm in there. Yeah. Love it, love mushrooms. Thank you for the gifts. That's
1: no worries. So lastly, what's what's on the horizon? What's next for Lonnie Jane from here?
0: Um, I'm getting myself out there. I am doing that. You know, like I, I I've I've said no to a lot of things in the past and I
1: definitely. feel humbled that you said yes And
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I get asked a lot to do like interviews and TV and
1: Yeah, I noticed that you haven't done a lot.
0: No, nah, because mm-hmm. I I've just been really focusing on raising my kids like mm. And, um, it's a really vulnerable time, like going through the sleep deprivation and like raising a child is hard enough as it is, let alone having a thousand people's opinions of what you're doing. You know, I just, I just didn't want to, I didn't, I just sort of wanted to hide away for a couple of years and I've done that. And now I'm sort of sort of coming back out of my shell again and, you know, I'm opening up to things I've got, um, I'm doing my first two ever speaking events. In front of a large audience, which I'm excited and nervous about at the same time, I'm um, doing an event, a three-day uh, event, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane with uh, Barebody, not okay. like the Pilates studio. Yeah. When, when are they? Um, October 12th, 13th and 14th. So, okay.
1: so if anyone wants to get tickets for that, is that something that, that is open yeah, the public? Head or? Over
0: to, I'm not sure. if I'm pretty sure the tickets are on sale now. Yeah. Head over to Barebody, Barebody's Instagram and, and check it out through there and yeah, get in contact with them, see about the tickets. Um, so I'm doing that. So that's all about like living an inspired life and certain routines to like help you succeed in business and succeed in life and life mastery and sort of stuff like that. And the second one is the week after, which is more about like entrepreneurship and um, building a business. And where's that one? That's in Brisbane. In Brisbane. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's through Forever Events Um, So check out their Instagram page. And I did a little live interview with them two days ago, like just talking about business and, you know, my biggest struggles and biggest tips and things like that. So I think they'll be sharing that live video soon. Uh, I'm going to do some TV stuff. I've, yeah, I'm just going to, like I said, big uh, big main Australian news channel uh, show. I'm not really going to say it because I don't think they told me not to say anything yet. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And yeah, I'm just gonna put my face out there a bit more and, it's awesome. and talk to people and share my passion, share my knowledge as as much as I can. And, you know, it it always comes down. I, I really the thing I constantly say to myself that helps me get myself out there without feeling like it's gonna hurt me in some way is that I don't know that I'm always right. I just know that I'm doing it for the right reasons. And that's just what I constantly remind myself because I've had so much backlash about I'm not educated, I don't have a degree, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist, doesn't mean I'm not ever going to be. Like I've just been focused on having children and being a mother. Exactly. And, um, you know, I want to do a Bachelor of Health Science at um, the Endeavor Health College up here, just finding the time and getting the right time to do it. I'm only 30, I've got
1: plenty of time. Plenty
0: of time. How old are you? 32. Oh, ah, there you go. Yeah, and my, sec- my, th- sec- my third book uh, will be finished, I'm hoping, by the end of the year, and that's going to be a hard copy my first hard copy book, which is super exciting. And I might go down the road of doing some products that will help with detoxing and lymphatic system movement sort of thing. So you might see What's happening? Yeah, a lot. It's busiest I've ever been.
1: (laughs) If if, um, anyone wants to get in touch with you, no doubt they know your Instagram handle, but how how can someone get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, so um, I don't have my email up yet um, on my Instagram page. I've taken that down for years because it's, I couldn't handle my emails.
1: So Instagram. Yeah, messages. just Instagram,
0: That's... like direct message me Which or is just Lonnie
1: um, Jane.
0: Yeah, just Lonnie Jane. Yep. Um, or go through my website feelthelean dot com and go through the contact, um, through that way and write your message through there.
1: Yeah, I'll put both into the show notes so people can click through. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to seeing what's to come for you, seeing you on TV, and <laughs> I'll um, try and come along to that Sydney event. Awesome. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And that's this week's episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. Connect with myself and the Plant Proof community at plantproof.com and at plant underscore proof on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to receive our free plant-based nutritional information, including recipes, important blogs, and much more direct to your inbox. Until next time, folks, I'm your host, Simon Hill. Keep your spacesuit plant-proof.